everyone. Our second Bible reading today is taken from Haggai chapter 2, verses 1 to 9, and I've got that on page 988. Haggai chapter 2. On the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came to the, through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work. For I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the desire of all nations will come, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Jonah, for reading uh, that passage of scripture for us this morning. Well, let's, let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. Father, we pray that you'll help us to submit ourselves to this word this morning. Pray, Lord, that you would speak to us in your word, that we would respond in faith, that obey your word. Father, I pray for myself that you forgive me my sins and that you would use your word to bring glory and praise to your name for the building up of your church here at St. Stephen's belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, friends, uh, if you are visiting with us this morning, uh, we are following the book of Haggai in our morning services, and in the evening we are following the book of Habakkuk. So we have two Old Testament books uh, that we are working our way through. And so this morning uh, we come to this prophecy here in chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. And I want, you to, I want to encourage you to please keep your Bibles or perhaps your, 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 your phones, whatever you're using this morning, electronic device, uh, the Bible passage open before you, so we can work our way through this passage. Uh, we have already established that the primary theme of the book of Haggai is the rebuilding of God's temple, which has been lying in ruins since its destruction by King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon in 586 BC. And last week, we looked at Haggai chapter 1, verses 12 to 15, and we noted the following. Uh, we noted the, the repentance, the reminder, and the renewal in, chap in, that, in that chapter. The people heard God's voice and obeyed him by repenting. The Lord caused them to repent, and God reminded them that he was with them when he said, I am with you. And then he stirred up the spirit of the people and there was 
renewal, or we might call it revival. And the result of God's work in their lives is seen by their actions in verses 14 and uh, 15. 15 in Agai chapter 1. All right. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. So after neglecting the work on the temple, they resumed building the temple on the 24th day of the sixth month. And so in our, mornings, uh, in, in our text this morning, Haggai chapter 2, 1 to 9, we're going to look at this passage under three headings. One, we're going to look at the discouragement. Secondly, the encouragement. And thirdly, the greater glory, verses 6 through to nine. Well, in the, let's look at the discouragement we have in our passage this morning, which is verses 1 to 3. In the seventh month of the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Zadok, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? So the word of the Lord came to Zerubbabel. The word of the Lord came to Joshua. The word of the Lord came to God's remnant, to God's people. And it was nearly a month after the work started on the rebuilding of the temple. We read that it was the seventh month and on the 21st day, it's dated the 17th of October. Now the seventh month, friends, was a religiously busy month for God's people. We can read about it, for example, in Leviticus chapter 23. There were major festivals during this month, and therefore the work of the temple was to some extent hindered. Let me tell you this. On the first day of the month, there was the Feast of the Trumpets. On the tenth day was the Day of Atonement. On the fifteenth day of the month, was the Feast of Booths, which began with all people moving out of their houses, and they put up shelters, and they stayed in those shelters for a week to remember the Exodus journey. Imagine that. All of us moving out from our houses, going out and camping. Do you like camping? Maybe yes, maybe no, right? <laughs> all right, take our stuff and go and camp outside, right? and, and be there for a week or so, and remember God's Exodus, God bringing his people out of Egypt. So there were major festivals. And so due to these festivals, the temple work was hindered. There were stops and starts in the work. There were interruptions and delays. And so the word of the Lord came again to the people by Haggai, the prophet. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? You see, friends, some people were perhaps in their 80s here, and they remembered the splendor of the great temple that was built by Solomon. These older people had seen the first temple by Solomon in all its glory, and perhaps they idolized the temple. And they, so when they came to rebuild this new temple, this second temple, they were looking back. So when they went to work, they saw the remnants of the foundation of the temple built by Solomon, and he brought back memories of the, old of the old temple with all its splendor. And what this, 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 uh, 
this did to some of these people was they started to compare the new building with that of the old, the old magnificent building. And this caused them to be discouraged and to be pessimistic. To them, this new temple is nothing in comparison to the old one. Now if you see in our next slide, Ezra chapter 3 verse 12, we see this. But many of the priests and Levites and heads of fathers' houses, old men who had seen the first house, wept with a loud voice when they saw the foundation of this house being laid, though many shouted aloud for joy. So as we see here in Ezra, some were all excited about the rebuilding of the new temple and others were weeping. Some were looking ahead with excitement and anticipation, while others were looking back to the good old days. Have you heard that phrase? Oh, the good old days. Oh, if the good old days were back, wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, friends, we thank God for the good old days, but we also thank God for the present days, right? Look at where we, what we've achieved today in the present age. We have technology, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> we have phones that we can communicate just like that. We have the internet that we can connect anywhere in the world. We have modern advances in, in technology, right? Medical advances, all of these things. That's all happening in the present day. Right? We drive modern cars, don't we? That hits 100 Ks in an hour just like that so quickly. We are a fast-moving world. We have achieved a lot. Yes, we can look back, but we can't stay. Uh, stay in those days as well. Now this old temple was a magnificent temple. No doubt about that as we see in our next, next slide in 1 Kings chapter 6 and verse 7. Let me just give you some, um, some highlights about this temple. When the house was built, it was with stone prepared at the quarry so that neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron was erred in the house while it was being built. And then the next one. We see this, the inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 cubits high, and he overlaid it with pure gold. This is Solomon. He also overlaid an altar of cedar, and Solomon overlaid the inside of the house with pure gold, and he drew chains of gold across in front of the inner sanctuary, and overlaid it with gold, and he overlaid the whole house with gold, until all the house was finished, also the whole altar that belonged to the inner sanctuary, he overlaid with gold. Now imagine that. What a magnificent building it was. Pure gold. No silver was used. Gold. Because to Solomon, to God's people, this temple was magnificent. It was a temple of splendor because God dwelt there. And God met with his people. And so they gave God the utmost best in the building of this magnificent temple. But now, the old temple was gone. It lay in rubble. Now, instead of getting on with the job of rebuilding the temple so that God can meet with his people and worship can continue, they lost the enthusiasm for their work. They were discouraged. And now, my dear friends, Many of us, in fact, I suspect all of us, know only too well what discouragement is, right? Have you had discouragements in your life? 
Have you been discouraged? I see you nodding. I have. We do. Right? All of us from time to time will feel and get discouraged. For example, I was speaking to a student this past week. This person worked really hard on, on, the, on the assignment and gave it to the, to the lecturer. And the assignment came with some bad comments in spite of all the hard work that has been done. It was a spirit of discouragement to the student. Or perhaps you're applying for jobs. You keep applying for one job after the other and you get knockbacks. Wouldn't you feel discouraged? Discouragement can come in many ways. Maybe some comment from someone. You're out at work in the morning and someone gives you just that comment that makes you feel discouraged for the rest of the day. Ever had that? And discouragement can hit us, can't it? Discouragement is in some sense hopelessness. And it is demoralizing. And it can sap away the energy from us and keep us from moving forward. And so God knew what these people were going through. And he addressed their discouragement by encouraging them to look to him. And look at verses 4 to 5, and uh, as, we, as we 4 to 8, as we see this, this passage before us here. Right. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of uh, Zeozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you. When you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not, verses 4 and 5. What a, what a wonderful, what a wonderful encouragement to those who are discouraged. This is God speaking. God understanding the human heart. God understanding the spirit of discouragement and despondency. And he speaks to them. And he says to them, Behold, I am with you. And these words, friends, be strong and so forth. Some of these people would have remembered these words because we see a similarity of these words in our next slide in 1 Chronicles 28 and verse 20. Have a look at this verse. David said to Solomon, his son, be strong and of good courage and work. Fear not, be not dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. So these words that Haggai speaks to these people, some of them would have remembered the words that God gave, that, that David said to Solomon. And David encouraged his son Solomon, be strong, for the Lord was and is with you. And similarly, God says to these discouraged people, Three times. Do you see that in your passage? Right? Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Joshua. Be strong, all you remnant. In other words, take courage. Now let me refer, friends, to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 1 in our next slide. Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or, what is it? Forsake you. 
Right? These are God's word to his people before they entered the promised land. God said to them, be strong, be courageous, do not fear. He will not leave you. Think about our memory text for this month. Have you been working on that text? I know it's a bit of a long one. But what an encouraging text it is. Have I not commanded you? God says to Joshua, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What an amazing promise that is, friends. Whether you're here in Australia, or whether I'm in Sri Lanka, or whether you're in Holland, or whether you're in South Africa, or whether you're in Korea, or in Singapore. Maybe I've forgotten other countries, doesn't matter. right? Sudan, wherever you are. Hong Kong, wherever you are. Wherever you go. In Australia, Scotland. Wherever you are, God will be with you. That's the promise that God has given to his people as the same promise that is, that is to us. Be strong. Be courageous. I am with you. And then look at the text. He says, I am with you according to this covenant. Let me come back to this word strong. I am with you, says the Lord. And we saw that last week. And the words, the Lord of hosts, I won't go into that. So we are going to be strong, not in our own selves. It's not like I'm going to be strong with my energy. I'm a macho guy. I'm a, what's going on? I'm a macho. I'm all wired up this morning. I better not move. Stand like this. All good. All right. So what's... Um, we're not going to be strong in ourselves. It's not like, ah, because I'm, I'm such a strong person, it's all about me. No, no, no. Notice the text here. Notice the text, what it's saying here, friends. We are strong because God is with us. That's what makes the difference, right? It's not strength in myself because I know, I know for, my, for myself and I speak for myself, I'm a weak, frail, fragile guy. I get discouraged. I get despondent. I go down sometimes and I, I, I cry to the Lord. There are moments I am also in the dumps. In my walks every day at Wattle Park, or most times, that park will be sanctified with prayer. How many prayers has been said there? In my moments of discouragement and despondency, I am crying out to the Lord. Who else can we turn to, friends? Who else understands the human heart? Who else knows what's going on inside? We can say all the nice things when we meet each other, right? As brothers, how are you going? Oh, well, fantastic. I've had a great, a great week. Oh, yeah. It's all good. It's all good. I can understand the sentiment behind that. But really, really, there are moments I think we feel flat as a doornail. Haven't you? Right. And so I know that by myself I will fail miserably. But because God is with you and as you trust in this God, this is not some kind of positive theology that's been said here, some prosperity theology. This is God speaking to his people and saying, you are strong because I am with you. I am with you. The God who made the heavens and the earth, the God who's made his promises, the God of the covenant says, I am with you, therefore be strong. What a blessing. When I'm weak, then I am strong. Let the weak say, it's not a song that goes like, let the weak say, I am strong. 
with the anyway right <laughs> you see that's what it is god makes us strong and so this changes everything to know this changes everything to know that god is with us and it should change our perspective on life itself i am with you according to the covenant that i made with you when you came out of Egypt. And he uses covenantal language. I am with you. Remember when God was with his people? Remember, for example, can we go to the next slide, please? Exodus 19.4. You have seen what I said to the Egyptians. And how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. What a magnificent bird an eagle is, right? What a magnificent bird. Majestic bird. And God is saying to his people, remember, I put you on... I, I bore you on eagle's wings. That is, I have safely journeyed with you. I have navigated a pathway for you. I have put you on the wings of an eagle and I have brought you. Man, just picture that. Must be so nice, isn't it? Be on the wings of an eagle and glide. That's the picture that God is giving to his people. So these people are to think back to the faithfulness of God and take heart at his promises kept in the past. They needed to look back to the God of the covenant, the God who said, I am with you, and then get on with the work. That's the point, friends. And then he says, my spirit remains with you. That is, my abiding presence is with you, guiding and sustaining you all the way. Be strong. How about us as a church family here this morning? Do we feel weak? You see, we can look at this world. We can look at the Western church and see that it is so weak. We can see our brothers and sisters being persecuted for the faith. Just this past week, I went to a Barnabas function uh, just here in, in, in Water, uh, at the Water Park Chapel, and we had Patrick Sukadio speak. A great talk. But I came home after that with sadness in my heart when I heard story after story of our brothers and sisters in Christ being murdered, being murdered and tortured because of their faith in Christ. You can ask my wife Rose, I came back, not the way I went, but a heaviness in my heart. You see, friends, we need to know that whatever happens, our God is with us. What an encouragement to those who were discouraged and despondent. What an encouragement also to us this morning. There are so many things in this world to discourage us, right? You put on your TV news items, they'll discourage you. You read the papers, discouragement. You look at the church, perhaps, in, Western, in the Western world, it can discourage us. You're perhaps going through a period of own discouragement in your own life, whatever the circumstance that might be. Be encouraged this morning, because God calls you to be strong. And he says, I am with you. I, my spirit remains with you. And fear not, because I stand with you. How wonderful is that? When he says to the church, this is the same God. I stand with you. 
You think there is anything too hard for the Lord? Nothing. So he says, get on with the work. That is, friends, you have a down day today. Tomorrow you get up and say, God, you have given me a great life to live. You, have, you are my God. I get up this morning and I want to serve you. I want to follow you. I want to honor you. I want to be part of your building project in this world. I want to look back at your grace, but I want to look ahead at what you are doing. That's moving forward, right? Because staying back in the despondency pit of discouragement will not let us go forward. And Satan would want us to be there in that pit of discouragement. And you never move on. So he says here, he is with us, his spirit is with us. And this leads then, we are to place our faith in him and get on with living for Jesus in the world and serve him because ultimately there is a, a great future for us to look forward to. A great future for us to look forward to. And so this leads us to the greater glory that we have in the text here, which is 6 to 9. Let's see how we go with it, right? For thus says the Lord of hosts, yet once more in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. What is this shaking of the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land? Now there are a few explanations about this in this verse and I won't go into the, into the various explanations here. I think that this shaking, this shaking may be a reference to the political action that's going to take place after Haggai, that is the defeat of the Persians by the Greeks. That could be one reference. But I believe that there is more friends. I believe that this is a reference also to the final judgment of the world. We see that the ultimate shaking of this world is yet to come. Our next slide, please. Hebrews chapter 12, 26 and 28. Have a look at that. At that time, his voice, what did his voice do? shook the earth but now he has promised yet once more i will shake not only the earth but also the heavens this phrase yet once more indicates the removal of things that are shaken that is things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain did you get that everything is going to be shaken Everything is going to be, be dealt with. Everything is going to have a climax in the judgment day. But there is something that will never be shaken. That cannot be shaken may remain. And that is God's people, His church, His redeemed people, they will never be shaken. That is a lasting building by God. A spiritual house. God's people. God's kingdom will never be shaken. So invest in the gospel. Invest your life in serving Christ. So invest your life in gospel ministry as a husband, as a 
wife, as a father, as a mother who's busy with her children, as a person in the workforce as you go about working, wherever you are, you are investing your life in Christ. And if you're part of the church family, then start investing in the gospel ministry of this church. How are you serving Christ here? How are you serving Christ? You think about that. What am I doing? What is my partnership in gospel here? What am I doing with the life that God has given to me? How am I serving this great king in my life? For all other things will be shaken and gone. And all our investment portfolios, portfolios are great. You want to invest and that's a good thing. A proverb says to be wise in our investments and everything else. But ultimately, friends, we'll be all going, going. What's the next word I'm looking for? Come on. You, if you've been at auction, right? You know what the auctioner does? Going, 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 going. And he just keeps going, going on and on and on. <laughs> Gone. Right. And that's like it is with us as well. But ultimately, what's invested in Christ, invested in his kingdom, will be something that is lasting for eternity. And then he says, I will shake. I will, verse 7 and 8, I will, I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. You see Darius, our next slide, please. We see that, uh, I'm not going to read all of that. You can see that in, in Ezra chapter 6, 8 and 9. This is what happened, you know, this, uh, this king made a, made a decree and uh, he used the monies of that own nation to help God's people rebuild the temple. The silver is mine, says the Lord. The gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. Resources are not a problem to God. Finances are not a problem to Him, right? But at the same time, friends, every cent that God gives us is His. Yes? You might say, oh, no, 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 come on, pastor. That's not true. How could that be? I go to work, at, get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I go to work for the whole day. I come back tired at the end of the day. I work five days of the week or six days or seven days, or whatever it is. How can that money be his? That's mine. It's all mine. No, for the Christian, everything is his. Because if he does not give you health, if he does not give me the capacity to speak this morning and the energy to be here, can I work? If he doesn't provide work for you, will you have work? If he doesn't provide the finances, will you? No. It belongs to him, friends. So how are we with our finances? Are we using them wisely and purposefully for God? Now, verse 9, as we come closer to the ending of this message. Verse 9, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. This was certainly the case with under Herod. By the time Jesus had begun his ministry, Herod had rebuilt Zerubbabel's temple so that it was really magnificent. Our next slide, please. In Mark chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, we read this. As he came out of the temple, one of the, his disciples said to him, look, teacher, look. What wonderful stones, what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. So the disciples came out and one guy sees this magnificent new building now by Herod. 
He says, wow, what a great building. Wow, this is fantastic. Can't you see it, Jesus? Can't you see the stones? And Jesus says, this will be gone. And that's exactly what happened. AD 70, it's gone. But I believe, friends, my own take on this is that the promise of glory is more important than the temper. Right? In our first reading in John chapter 1, verse 14, our next slide please. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen what? Whose glory? His glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So now, no more glory of the old temple, no more glory of the restored temple. Now the glory has come. In whom? In whom? In Jesus. And God is now dwelling with his people. And he has tabernacled with his people. And so today, we don't go to a temple, do we? We come to Jesus, who is now the dwelling of God. And God has met us in his son, Jesus. What a blessing. What a blessing. So that you and I today right, can know this God. And he says, I will give you peace as well. No more temple anymore. But friends, there is more than that here as well. By his death and resurrection at the cross for our sin, we have peace with God as we repent and trust him. And then we look forward to a day in the future, our next slide please, when Christ returns. And read this, Revelation 21, 22. And I saw, what is it? No temple in the city. For its temple is what now? Is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. That's the temple. And we look forward to that perfect peace when Jesus returns. Where we will dwell with him. So as we conclude. What a motivation to keep on investing in gospel living and service, knowing that it is all worth it. Today, friends, we are engaged in a building project, as we saw last week, and this project is, is church, the spiritual house. What a great investment to be part of his building work in this world as a Christian, as you serve him as a husband, wife, father, mother, single person, young or old, invest in your life by living for Jesus and serving him in this world and in his church. We're not involved in a physical building project, but a spiritual building in Christ that will never be shaken. And as we're involved in this ministry, remember that he is with you. Fear not. Be strong because he stands behind us. And so for Surrey Hills Prezies, right, as we partner in gospel ministry with our God, we ought to be praying to reach Surrey Hills and beyond. For whom? For whom, friends? For Jesus. We'll be going door knocking soon. You saw that in the newsletter? We'll be distributing perhaps about 1,000, we're going to print about 1,000 or 1,500 flyers soon be doing that. Our Christmas services, opportunities for you to invite your family and friends. Today, start praying that this church 
will be a great building work by God and that you and I will be investing in kingdom work wherever he has placed us because it will last. What a blessing, what a motivation, what an encouragement. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you Lord for your word. We thank you that your son, Jesus Christ, is the revelation of the ultimate glory of God. The word became flesh. Lord Jesus, we worship you, we magnify you, we say thank you for leaving the splendor of heaven and coming upon this earth. Lord, we long for your return. We long for the perfect peace that you have promised. Father, until such a day comes, we pray that you bless each and every one of us, that we will live kingdom lives for Jesus, honoring and serving him for his glory and his praise. Amen.